Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. This week, I'm pleased to have back on the mic, Christy Strauss. Uh, Christy, this week we are doing kind of a sequel episode to uh, the episode we did uh, a couple... Geez, I guess it was like a month ago at this point, it seems. Um, We're going to be talking about WandaVision. You and I discussed the first two episodes, I believe. I forget if it was two or three, but essentially the first like crop of episodes. Yeah, that kind of were available um, during the the Marvel series kind of opening weekend. Is that what we want to call it? Release weekend? Um, But now that the series is over, I thought it'd be a, a great opportunity to have you back on the mic because we kind of emailed each other pretty quickly after the episode dropped and then like a few days later another episode came and pretty much like blew the doors open on everything that we had talked about in kind of the first three episodes of the show so i guess as good of a place to start as any is like what did you think of this um whole mini series i guess as a whole now that it is um wrapped up officially yeah, and uh, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to because things have definitely shifted since the first time we discussed this. Um, there's been a lot of uh, new developments. No, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a terrific beginning of phase four, you know, and I, I think I had said this before, but because it, like, it was weird in the first few episodes, but I mean, it continuously yes. got more weird and I think it's going to lead to even more weird and that's awesome. But um, I think it really gives hope for this next phase and i love that now that it's over it's kind of obviously it's segueing into um dr strange 2 and there's just so much to kind of unpack about this but i was i'm really happy with it and i i've actually just spoke with someone earlier today who were a few people that were talking about how there's so many things that they give out so many details and teases and here and there like easter eggs and um red herrings if you will whatever but it turns out they don't share or they don't answer questions, but I think that's just because they're setting things up and that didn't really bother me because I think this is a good uh, starting off point. And really it's about a woman and her grief and Elizabeth Olsen is amazing. But anyway, that's just my really fast initial response. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting you mentioning other people kind of talking about the sort of clues and Easter eggs of the mm-hmm. series, because I feel like, as with sort of all Marvel properties, I feel like the conversation, once it's sort of over, and and in this case, I think the conversation every time an episode was over, is not necessarily about, like, the thing itself, but about, like, what is this, what is the thing I just watched telling me about, like, the next thing I have to see, which I find such a kind of, like... Right, what does this mean? Right, it's such a, like, curious way um, to, to kind of... Uh, talk about these things i mean i i've i've always been sort of like morbidly fascinated by like people being you know with the marvel movies friends of mine being way 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 more interested in talking about what does what is the in credit sequence setting up for the next movie than they are whatever we just watch like instead of like what actually happens in um thor the dark world for example um but and I sort of had, saw that phenomenon kind of taking place week to week with this series where an episode would be over and the conversation 
outside of the show was pretty much solely on like what is this telling us either about like the next episode in the series or about like where um the mcu is going as a whole i i was curious to, do you find that kind of like an effective mode of of storytelling yeah i think it's interesting that they did the after credits and then the after after credits and some um because it really brings back that excitement that that's something that was at the center of the MCU, you know, when everything was um, like, you know, the first few phases and whatnot, when everything, everyone was loving it. it's like, did you stay for the after credits? And that was like such a conversation starter, but also it's, it's really out there. It's to like lure in um, people and like, what's going to happen next. And to kind of give you a taste of what's coming. And even now when I rewatch the movies, I watch the after credits, which is so weird. Cause I know what happens mm. next which is probably just my own oddity. But um, I do think it it is. And I think for this series, I think it worked really well too because, and I don't think they're going to do a season two. I mean, who knows? Maybe. I, I doubt it as well. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to be like a contained thing, I think, honestly. Right. I think you don't want to overdo something. But I, I think like you said, I think where it sort of leaves off in that kind of final post credits teaser i think is more a setup for another movie I, as most people have sort of like like yourself have sort of suggested probably the like next doctor strange movie which has to deal with or or even the next spider-man movie which may or may not be coming out this year that has to do with the, the whole multiverse concept um but i i yes i kind of don't see like where else or what else they would do i feel like everything in kind of the final episode sort of for the most part kind of like wrapped everything up in a neat bow um or as much of a neat bow as kind of like an mcu property can considering it has to kind of like shepherd the way to the the next thing for us to fire up um but yeah I, I i think, I think so too yeah and I think that kind of puts me in a spot of like, I definitely enjoyed the show and enjoyed watching it every week and was never bored. But I think I'm sort of in more of an admire than enjoy spot with it, at least me personally. And I think that has to do with sort of like admiring the kind of like construction and way they were able sort of the, the writers of the series and Kevin Feige, who sort of oversees the development of all these MCU series and movies was able to kind of like plant specific clues and Easter eggs in here to kind of uh, excite audiences to like come and get them to go out on the internet and theorize and pull in all this information as well as kind of like create this uh, culture of anticipation about not just what the next episode was going to be, but like, where this entire enterprise is going now that we're in the sort of post in game world with this movie series and TV series. Um, but I, I, I think as much as I was sort of admiring the way that they were going to do that, I personally, I, I think felt a little let down at what sort of seemed to be kind of like teased as a much sort of like weirder, show show and something that was like very very outside the box and i think what kind of ended up happening after that first conversation that we had was it 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 really sort of like fell into the the kind of um consistent formula that i think most of the marvel properties kind of operate in which i don't think is bad um but i think mo you know it, it it fell into a more 
um, familiar groove than I think what I was initially expecting from those first couple episodes. So I sort of wound up at the end being like, mm -hmm. okay, that, that, that wasn't quite the thing I feel like I was promised or the thing that the show was sort of teasing me with in the beginning of sort of like really doing something completely outside the box and really like creatively and structurally different than anything in any other Marvel property. But then sort of getting to the end and feeling like, oh, yeah. this was kind of just like a B, B plus Marvel movie that was kind of like just spread across nine weeks, essentially. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that. I mean, I think they it definitely falls into more of the MCU feel after those first three episodes. But, you know, I think it's also because it starts off more surreal, obviously more mm -hmm. just you have no idea what's going on. Um, but I actually, you know, that that didn't bother me because I think it's still kind of integrated both being like a little bit outside of the box, but also still catering to that MCU feel. And I think that, I mean, just even some of the other movies like the first Doctor Strange or when we first saw Guardians or Thor Ragnarok, like some of those are a little bit more eccentric and just have a little bit different feel, but somehow still feel like Marvel. And I think that this does too, but it was, it did kind of marry the, the idea like the strangeness in the beginning, but it also, you know, progressed further into the MCU. And honestly, as I stated earlier, I think it's also one of the reasons I loved it was because, well, Elizabeth Olsen's just amazing. And Agreed. I think thousand percent agree. <laughs> yeah. And especially like the second to last episode, I believe it is just, it's so emotional. Um, but I think really it's about her grief. I mean, I think that's what the story in a lot of ways is about. Obviously there's superheroes too but um i think that's why I, I like the way it ends and interestingly to go back as well the two teasers at the end the after credits do set up two very interesting things so like obviously the one with her is going to tie into i mean she is basically doing like a doctor strange-esque thing at mm -hmm. the end there while she's like reading and somewhere else um doing other things but also the the one with monica rambo which is exciting because it actually makes me more excited about captain marvel 2 because mm. i had i had some like cap the first captain marvel like at first i think i liked it it's actually funny because it kind of goes back to something we talked about during our sundance episode like i was so excited about it i feel like i liked it a lot and then as time went on i didn't like it as much um but i'm really excited about like you know tiona paris's role because i think monica's terrific and she didn't really get much of an opportunity to shine at the end of the show but i think we will get that so a lot of the things that they tease at the end are exciting for the future and in this next phase and also i think nia DaCosta signed on for that so i'm really excited oh, about that as well interesting yeah i'm i was similarly with you of like i i think even after i saw the captain marvel movie i i sort of felt like that was one of the the kind of weaker marvel installments that i i had seen and, and coming off of a run that was like thor ragnarok and black panther i think were like the movies that came right before that and maybe like another avengers movie but um i, I i'm War. really yeah yes 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 that's the other one um and and i personally was just sort of like that that felt kind of like the least specific to me and that it, it felt like they kind of hadn't totally figured out what to do with that character other than to just sort of make her this all-powerful being um but i i am really interested to now have the like monica rambo character in it which i think we kind of talked about when we did our first wandavision episode just the the pleasure of watching elizabeth olsen and paul bettany together in especially like I, as i kind of i said two characters that i really had 
very little relationship to and very little investment in the movies, but I feel like this series was able to to kind of flesh them out a little bit more and give them a little bit more personality that I maybe felt was missing. But the, now that we're sort of at the complete end of the series, I think the Monica Rambo character is who stands out the most. And I, I'm just excited to see what they do with that character and, and think, you know, Tian Paris is just such a, a delightful actress to watch and so much fun in, in every scene that she's in. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think I'm just really excited to see, you know, what they do next. And it's interesting that we're actually going to get another Marvel TV show, um, in two weeks. Um, That's right. The winter soldier and Falcon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you know, there's a lot of great performances in, in this series and, and while wow, the ending too, with Paul Bettany and, um, you know, like, I think he says like we have said goodbye before we'll say hello again like that whole like ending of this finale was really sad even though it obviously if you watched it where vision's gonna be back because he's like resurrected Mm -hmm. um we had like the the foe like i don't even know how you'd refer to him like the evil one and then he like transferred his memories so now we're actually vision isn't dead but um she doesn't know this yet and obviously she had to say goodbye to her kids and it was very like dramatic finale but even so again the kids aren't going to be gone either so um she i still feel like she gets to process not to mention by the end of this show she becomes the scarlet witch like she really actually becomes the scarlet witch which potentially she's like one of the most powerful people in the avengers and it's just not something that we really had the opportunity before now to know because she like you said is not even a character that was really like devolt like um like really discovered much on screen prior to wandavision side side note on paul bettany (laughs) did you follow at all his little like troll he did on people who were just like diving into the the reddit boards and their their marvel comic book collection to try and like theorize who was gonna to guest spot on yes. the last episode and he was like he was like mess he messed with them too because he said it was like an actor i've always wanted to fight or perform like play against or something like that and he obviously was referring yeah. to himself but he did it in a way that like just further like he was he was saying it. it was like their version of the luke skywalker cameo <laughs> yes. at the end of this past season of the mandalorian and i just kept seeing for weeks and weeks people thinking that like is dr strange going to show up or are they going to reveal who are they going to reveal the fantastic four then there is the you know the week that um you know we had uh evan peters show up as as quicksilver which you know for those who don't know quicksilver played by aaron taylor johnson in the marvel movies but played by evan peters in the x-men universe but now that um now that Disney owns the X-Men properties and Marvel has those characters back that that kind of got to be this sort of like both meta in the show, as far as like, <laughs> as, as far also as like, known as Ralph. Yes. He's, he's... All, also known as Ralph. I mean, <laughs> meta in the show in that like Catherine Hans, like villain character kind of admits like, yeah, I had no idea what your brother looked like. So I just had to improvise with with this random person. But also I thought like a fun tipping of the hat from Kevin Feige and everyone at Marvel to like letting viewers know, like, yes, like the the X-Men characters are going to get folded in. And this, this we're, we're maybe not going to show our whole deck, 
at this point, we're not going to show all of our cards, but here's the little sort of like wink to you guys to l- let you know, like it's, it's coming. But <laughs> so I saw some people who think like, is that the cameo that Paul Bettany's talking about? And then it was like, clearly not. Cause he's saying it's the last episode. And it was just so funny to see kind of like the fallout of that this past week with like some other people who work on one division, just being like, I, I, we can't go through with this charade anymore. Paul's got to explain this. And he was basically like, yeah, it's just me. I'm, I'm, I've got to like act against myself in this movie or in this show. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Um, And yeah, I think it's, it's interesting that they did the Evan Peters thing. It's almost like, yep, we can do this just so you know, this, this can happen. But I love that it, it turned out um, to just be like an actor. She hired named Ralph. Um, and obviously messed with his head so he didn't even really know what was going on just like everyone else in the town but Catherine Hahn is is uh pretty amazing too and it's something that I like kind of shocked me but I guess it shouldn't have over the last few weeks when she became more of a prominent character and obviously once she was mm. discovered as you know Agatha um which is a, a very big character that I'm sure will be back um but people are like discovering Catherine Hahn and it's like what she's been like amazing what? forever How? <laughs> i know but have these people not seen Step Brothers or like any of the other d- numerous great comedies she's been in yeah over the years? And, and so many amazing dramas like she's a terrific actress that has been around for a long time but for some reason i, I don't know maybe it's like a, a general like this is more of a wider audience type of thing because it's marvel and 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 maybe uh i don't know either way i'm happy for people to discover the amazingness of Catherine Hahn if, if this that's what comes out of it but I was still surprised to say the least yeah I I kind of had my sort of alarms going off the, those first couple episodes of just thinking like there's got to be something more to her character like I I'm not as um knowledgeable of kind of the these characters in the comics like my marvel knowledge doesn't extend much further than spider-man was what i was really into as a kid and so i i had no idea about this this character that she played the the villain of the series but just katherine hahn being in it i kind of had a hunch those first few episodes of like there's got to be something more to this character because it's weird that like everyone else in the town are just kind of ran you know kind of are able to sort of i don't want to say like random actors but able to sort of i think blend into the background a little bit more and are not as pronounced as katherine hahn is and so i i personally had this sort of creeping suspicion that she was going to be a bigger part of this show as it sort of progressed and then the kind of big reveal of her as the villain of the series i think for people who like wonderful reveal yeah i i think I knew some people like in hindsight after that episode that were like, Oh no. Yes. That's, that's a big important character in the sort of Scarlet witch comics. And they, they were kind of able to sort of figure it out that that character would maybe be in there. But I, I don't know. Were, were there any other sort of like clues that you were able to kind of like figure out and pinpoint as the series was going on that kind of ended up paying off at the end? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think like offhand as far as her like I think there's just like you kind of said there's like warning signs kind of just like bells going off um even though I I love so much in the first couple episodes just her committing to like the uh the time as the Mm -hmm. decades keep going by she's so good and funny but yeah um just the fact that she kept like popping in and you know those things that seemed like it wasn't Wanda's plan and I think 
you know, it seemed like she would pop in unexpectedly, poor timing, that sort of thing, which kind of showed like, well, that's weird. Um, but yeah, I actually loved her reveal. Uh, I think her song at the end of that episode is um, pretty hilarious. And of course, we found out she killed Sparky. That bitch. <laughs> that poor dog. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, too, as a, as a villain, you know, because, I mean, in this show, did there even really need to be a villain? I mean, you know, because there's also, um, I don't know why I can't think of his name, the director guy who's just a jerk. Oh, yes, yes. He's a jerk. <laughs> I I can't fit, remember it either. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> but no, director <laughs> Tyler Hayward. Yeah, he, um, you know, he's a jerk and he's like recreating the evil um, vision and whatnot. But they're really like, even, I, I can't believe I'm saying this again, it probably sounds lame, but kind of like grief and like what she's been through and trauma is kind of like the villain so we didn't necessarily need one on screen but i do love that they brought in agatha because there is a lot to dive into with her story from the comics and how she will tie into things i think going on going forward and i believe when she locks her into like her character like punishing her at the end when wanda does it and mm -hmm. puts her into the town again she says that you know you'll need me and she's like i'll know where to find you so she's definitely someone that may teach her more in the future but yeah, I thought um, the whole episode where she's kind of showing, going through Wanda's memories and and kind of revealing to her her own ability is is a really uh, incredible episode. But yeah, so I, I was happy with her as a villain, but I think it's a common thing in the MCU. People like are always disappointed with the villains. Like I think Loki is like the and Thanos are like the only two that don't. <laughs> Yeah, I'd I'd maybe throw in um, Michael B. Jordan as yes. as Killmonger yes. and Black Panther. Th those sort of those seem three. like the three that they they've kind of and and I'm someone who kind of enjoyed in Thor Ragnarok just Kate Blanchett being like I don't think that's oh, yeah. that's a great part necessarily, but I do sort of ha I did sort of have a fun time with her just kind of going full camp basically in that movie oh, and yeah. kind of it's like super fun. Sh sh she really knows like what kind of role she's got and is just sort of having a ball in it. Um, yeah, I guess any last thoughts on, on WandaVision before we, we move on. I, it, I, it sounds like, I think we would both recommend if, if any, I, of course, I guess if you're a Marvel fan and you're, haven't been watching it i don't know why you're listening to this podcast but i guess if anyone hasn't <laughs> and they don't mind that we've spoiled the whole thing i think you know we'd both recommend it it sounds like you're maybe a little bit higher on it than than i am although i think some of my reservations has to do with it's kind of a similar thing i, I think you and i talked a little bit about the mandalorian last year and kind of i ended that i mostly really liked this second season but i think the kind of Luke Skywalker moment that sort of broke the internet. I was a bit conflicted on. Cause I think when I wrote about the show for the sites kind of our uh, like best TV of 2020 piece that we did, I, I, I kind of just talked about the thing that I really liked about it was how it just sort of felt like this side thing to the sort of the main story of star Wars and that it was able to sort of be kind of nimble and, and and not have to sort of carry the weight of the rest of the series and then that moment seemed to kind of indicate to me of like oh no the, like this is the main story at this point and not quite sure that the show will ever be able to be as like kind of loose and idiosyncratic as it was in sort of its beginning and maybe that's a little bit of sort of where i'm conflicted on wandavision but i i i, I still 
enjoyed every week of watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I would definitely recommend it to anybody. I think, um, especially as a whole, I think it really is a, it's interesting arc. It's a really interesting platform, like a way to tell this story, such like a wonderful idea of like, you know, it all being kind of channeled through her. And I think there's a lot of characters that get more time, um, that, you know, deservingly so and deservedly so. And I like, uh, Darcy and, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, um, what's his name? Doing the uh, card tricks from Ant Man is, is hilarious. Oh, R- Randall Park. Yes, Randall yeah. Park. Yes, always love to see him. Um, I was quite happy when he showed up, and him and Darcy have a a funny, uh, and Monica actually have a really interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I overall I think it was really well done. It. I also want to say I love the um vision kind of battle when they're battling, but then they have like a little vision banter back and forth oh (laughs) (laughs) that sequence is pretty fun um and uh there's some you know there's some emotional moments too some tearjerker moments and i think it really like i've been re-watching the movies Mm -hmm. and i actually just saw in infinity war pretty recently like a day or two ago where she um you know takes his life and obviously gets rewound anyway but um and like somehow the scenes with them in infinity war have so much more of an impact now that we've oh, gotten this opportunity to like have like see their relationship and their love and and so i thought that was a sweet thing so yeah um i think that was it really just gives these characters who are terrific actors and you know rich storylines more of an opportunity to shine so i'm all for it well let's transition a little bit um Christy, whenever we get an opportunity on this show to talk about a movie star, I'm I'm going to take it. And this weekend that we're recording, so I guess the weekend, this past weekend, considering when this episode will drop, uh, coming to, that's the letter to America, <laughs> the, a very confusing title to like have to do on a podcast because it's the same thing as the first one, but... It's just we've replaced a word with a number. But essentially, the Coming to America sequel premiered on Amazon Prime. Um, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk about Eddie Murphy. Uh, You and I kind of talked a little bit before we got on mic just about the movie itself. Um, I guess I will say my I, I, I don't know that I have too much to say about it on mic other than it's it's kind of. It's not a bad movie, but it it does really it is one of those comedy sequels that really just feels like hey, remember this thing from the first movie? Wasn't that fun? Hey, remember this other thing? It really I just kept thinking about like the South Park sketch of the the member berries the entire time as I was watching about watching it. So it <laughs> it really is just sort of like it's basically a collection of the best jokes from the first movie and just like, Hey, you thought this was funny the first time. Let's, let's run it back and do it again. But what, what do you sort of think about when you think about Eddie Murphy as, and, and like, when did you first come to him? Cause th- this is, I think like an interesting question considering like when people, what decade people grew up in, like what their relationship <laughs> old to him is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> essentially. Um, <laughs> And I haven't seen the new coming number two America. I was actually going to watch it tonight. Something similarly before it happened where we discussed a movie that I was going to watch as soon as I was pretty much done with this. But yeah, so actually I know Eddie <laughs> um, from like I when I was a kid and I mean pretty young, I loved Beverly Hills Cop in 48 Hours. Um, I watched mm. those like consistently. He was Axel Foley to me for a very long time. Um, so I those that was my first 
you know, Eddie Murphy experience. And I want to say it was, I mean, I'm not as old as like, I think one of them was out before I was born. Uh, the both were out before I was born, but I, I'm pretty sure I was like, you know, five to seven years old watching those movies, like most movies that I, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched a lot when I was young. Um, and so yeah, they're, they have actually kind of uh, real nostalgia for me. Um, and then obviously translating that also coming to America and I, you know, I've saw Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, more 48 hours and more Verly Hills and Nutty Professor and so many of those movies in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I'm I'm probably weird because I'm I'm definitely like I'm younger than you. And so like I kind of <laughs> thanks. Jesse. I, I came. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I definitely came of age of I, I envy you coming to um Eddie, the experience of Eddie Murphy through those movies, because I, I came to him sort of like through his sort of like family film era that he was doing with like I was a kid like Nutty Professor was kind of the big comedy that he was in and then otherwise he was predominantly in family films and I don't know that too many of those family films although like Shrek and Mulan clearly have their yeah you know defenders their their fans I I probably (laughs) like one of those movies much more than the other I'll leave listeners to figure out which which one that is but um you know, I so I do have a weird memory of like really liking him as a movie star as a kid, but my relationship to him was only through these like weird kind of bad family movies. And my dad sort of being like, oh no, he like was this huge, gigantic, like m- even like bigger than he is now movie star in the 1980s, like probably like the biggest movie star of the 1980s. And I think like trying to show me something like trading places or um 48 hours and just sort of like seeing about like five minutes of it on tv and him just being like nope nope oh forgot about this yeah this is not appropriate for a child or you you know and it is funny like looking back on some of those like comedies that he was in in the 80s which are like really really going for it and really really like not afraid to just sort of like be in your face and like are, are just sort of like boldly trying to cross whatever line you have. Um, it, it, I know you mentioned Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours. Would you say those are kind of like your favorite Eddie Murphy films? Yeah, and I will have to say like, with, with in my household, there wasn't like a, oh, wait, I should probably turn this off. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think whatever. Trading Places um, was specifically the one he tried with me and was just like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on this. Never mind. I forgot. I've not yeah. seen this in years. No, I love the uh, buddy cop movies of the 80s in general. Those were uh, popular when I was a kid. And yeah, Beverly Hills, for a long time, I think probably was uh, my favorite of his. I mean, I have surprisingly seen like the majority, if not almost all of his um, like cinema history. Uh, Maybe not some of the I don't think I ever saw the he was the Haunted Mansion. I don't think I ever saw that one. Right. That exists. Right. Yes, that's that's definitely a thing that happened, <laughs> listeners. Oh, no. There was a a movie adaptation of the Haunted Mansion ride, and it starred Eddie Murphy. Um, I do not believe it is very well regarded in his filmography. Yeah, I, I there's some I really don't like, but then you know he also did some um, like more obviously you know recently like Dolomite's My Name, and before mm-hmm. that Dream Girls. You know he's done some. Um, the good dramatic roles but i also uh, when i was younger i lo- loved the movie bowfinger which and life which um i don't think either of those are necessarily great movies so if i had to pick my favorite eddie murphy it probably would be beverly hills cop 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, and that's a movie that's like, it's crazy to think that was like, that was the highest grossing movie of 1984. Like it's, it's crazy to kind of like look back at, you know, the box office for like a year like that. And just to see how big of a movie star he was and how gigantically successful that movie in particular was, um, you know, I, I think some of my favorites, I like 48 hours as well. That's, I mean, he's got <laughs> the scene of him like in the, the like country bar in that movie might be like my favorite kind of like five minutes of him in any movie. Um, I'm, I'm personally a big fan of coming to America. That's probably the one I've rewatched the most. Um, have, have you ever seen, um, I saw this for the first time last year and, and thought it was really fun as well. Um, boomerang. This like very raunchy rom com that he was in in the early '90s and was not very well received, but is actually like quite good and like very entertaining. <laughs> I think I have, yeah, but it's it probably something that I'd have to revisit. I mean, that happens a lot. You know, critics don't always get things right there, but um, things can also be a lot of fun and not critically received well. But yeah, I I do remember that. I have seen it, but I'll have to uh, put that as a rewatch. And it's funny if Coming to America was the one you watched the most makes sense that you're disappointed in the sequel um <laughs> probably yeah I, w- I would say it was a, a, a fun sort of like yeah i remember that moment yeah that was nice oh yeah this guy's back cool that, that was basically my experience watching the new one um and and i'm glad you bring up dream girls because i think that movie kind of came out right around the time that i was like starting to get really into the oscars as like a young teenager and remember just like how convinced everyone including eddie murphy was that he was going to win a best supporting actor that that year and just how upset and angry he was when that didn't happen and he had like won every single award kind of like leading up to the oscars and then sort of like in a last minute twist it went to alan arkin as sort of like a a career celebration Oscar and not that he's not good in little miss sunshine, but I that's, that's another like very weird specific Eddie Murphy memory is, you know, dream girls as his kind of big Oscar play that he tried to go for. And it didn't totally pan out. And I maybe wonder, I hope even though I'm less wild about the coming to America sequel, I did like Dolomite is my name. And I wonder if both mm-hmm. of these movies together is maybe and him being on SNL, which maybe is like the the funniest thing he's <laughs> done in like several decades. But I think kind of those three things together, I, I wonder if he's maybe kind of like turning a page where it, it, it seemed like it seems like he was kind of in like a weird down period after Dream Girls and that I'm I'm wondering if Yeah. SNL Dolomite is my name and now a sequel to coming to America is maybe a sign that he's on kind of a, a, a comeback of sorts. Yeah. And that he's maybe yeah. like turning a page and entering like a new phase of his career. Yeah. And something else too, um, just to kind of tie into that. Cause you said SNL, I watched a lot of his stand up, which <laughs> probably too oh, young yeah. as well. Um, but, <laughs> but he's, he's got some terrific stand up. I love stand up comedy. So that's something I, I've spent a lot of time in my life watching an SNL is like, I'm a huge SNL fan. So um, I, I'm actually, I actually think I read recently that he's going to do like a stand up special. Um, at some oh, point terrific. Planning. So that would be interesting. 
to uh, to see. But I hope so. Yeah, because I do think he is a terrific actor. I think, you know, after you just said that, I looked and I did see Boomerang. It was a long time ago. Um, but also, he, he did do a lot of kids movies that just were not very good there for a while. So it's uh, I, I hope that he, you know, doesn't make another dip like that again. But because uh, he really is a very, very funny guy. Clearly hilarious guy. So and he's got such a great laugh just point that out <laughs> yeah i wonder if the reason that sometimes happens to people is like i know he has several kids and you know right. I, I feel like sometimes actors do that to kind of especially if like most of their filmography has been very like adult centric um and it's interesting you bring up his uh stand-up because delirious i believe the the name of like the big stand-up movie that he was in like if you go back and look at the box office numbers, like that movie's a giant hit. And it's like crazy considering like, you know, most stand-up specials that get, you know, recorded and turned into movies per se. Like we just sort of experienced that through Netflix now, but the idea that that was like a blockbuster movie and that's how big he was. Um, it what, what to you kind of like, what do you sort of think, kind of like makes him as a movie star or makes him such a like engaging performer to watch that's a good question and yeah it is um delirious and that great i think it's like red or orangish suit um, that he, yes. that he in that. um <laughs> but uh yeah i think he has a, a natural charisma i think partially mm -hmm. that's i mean a big part of why i liked him so much you know back in the day because i'm so old um when i saw him in beverly hills cop because you know he's he's very um you know i mean he's just obviously naturally hilarious but he's also charismatic um like i just even said you know his laugh it's it's like almost contagious but um yeah i don't know i think that he because then you obviously think about the movies like dolomite and and dream girls and stuff i don't know that i have a great word for what makes him a good actor but um i think he you know really devotes himself to his characters sometimes multiple characters actually i say sometimes it's happened in how many movies now including the one that just came. Uh, quite quite often yes he multiplies himself he's so good um <laughs> but he has your he just has a way of grabbing your attention like he's 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 really his charisma really comes off the screen i think and that's i think that's the mark of any good movie star but yeah i w i would agree i think there's something energy is weirdly the word that that i think of with him of he he just has this like very specific indeed <laughs> yeah yeah he just has this very specific energy to him and it it is like you know I, i'm thinking about like you know do like a science experiment and you just like add him into your movie and it's like the extra compound that just like makes everything makes the like sparks fly out of the of the testing tube and like i remember seeing dolomite at a film festival when that came out and the just like excitement in the room that you could feel of of people who were just so like so hungry to see that energy back in a movie again and were like so thrilled to see him be funny and raunchy and just kind of and, and have that swagger and charisma that you mentioned i i, I think that's a really smart assessment um of of kind of what makes him just just like so fun to watch and Be beverly hills cop like 
that movie's just kind of him like getting into situations. Like there's kind of a plot, but it's just sort of like Eddie Murphy kind of like running around <laughs> town doing stuff. Like it's not a very plot centric movie. I remember when I first saw it as right. as a teenager and was just like, huh. Like th- this it, it's not like what you would think of even today as like an action comedy. Um, or compared to something like in the the MCU, which has like big movie stars, but like this is a movie that is like almost like who cares about the plot, but it's just this movie star kind of just like, you know, driving around town and getting into one crazy series of events after another. Yeah. And that works though. I mean, that's like the fun. It that's does. what makes that movie so much fun. And, and actually kind of ties into what you were talking about with his energy. It's like his energy is uh, such a big kind of key part of it. And so you're happy to just watch him drive around town and get into a, uh, different situations and um crack jokes and now of course i have the music from that movie stuck in my head but um yeah it's (laughs) yes thank you (laughs) yeah you're welcome (laughs) um but yeah no i might have to even rewatch the the trilogy it's been a while since i've watched all three of those movies i've i've never i've only seen the first one i'm i'm (laughs) is are are two and three good i've i've heard some scary things about three but two is directed by tony scott which um is is very appealing to me as as someone who's kind of a sucker for a good tony scott movie yeah i always love the second one actually almost um i mean kind of in tune as much as i like the first one as far as the third one yeah i mean it kind of does go downhill a bit i mean it kind of does it at all three unfortunately like the first one is probably the best and you know you lose something a little bit along the way but i would say uh this it's worth watching i think at least once if you haven't seen them but it's been a while for me and i've definitely seen the first one the most so i don't know it might be something i like watch and huh you know we'll see because <laughs> sometimes you have like nostalgia glasses you know like that's a th- that's a right. real thing well Christy, thank you for joining us this week. I think we gave our listeners uh, a plethora of, of great Eddie Murphy movies for them to to check out this weekend. And not The Haunted Mansion. Sorry. Just and, and not The Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Most importantly, you should not watch The Haunted Mansion. <laughs>